I'm uh, Daniel Hartley, I'm from the Engagement, Retention and Success Group at Queen Mary uh, in Nadia and Deshant. Um, and today we're going to co-present a uh, study which uh, talks about our participatory action research approach and the implications of uh, using it to recruit a so-called or perceived to be sensitive, hard-to-reach community and the implications of transferring this par qualitative approach into institutional change and issues of legitimacy and uh, uh, so on. Um, there's also going to be some quick reflection upon uh, potentially institutional epistemology and the role of positivism in uh, science, in uh, research, rather. So, uh, maybe not always the best uh, format to use. Um, um, so, at uh, Queen Mary and university and other universities, diversity, inclusion, equality is often used as this kind of like marketing spiel. Uh, we all like, in the, if you look at prospectuses and so on, uh, we can see there's always real representation of diversity. It's used to attract people to universities um, in the assumption that they have an equal experience, different people have an equal experience, but then we only have to look at work by Diego to show that there are differences in BME uh, success and belonging. We only have to look at pictures of the postgraduate level of, uh, of students to see there's this kind of filtering out, there's this kind of whitening process as we go up through higher education. Um, so although equality and diversity is kind of presented as this like real great aspect of university, it's not the uh, real nature of, uh, of the actual experience. Notes. Um, the study that I've been leading, a two-year study, uh, which ends next year, is the beginning of an institutional uh, response to these differences in success and belonging. Um, moving away from uh, pointing blame with the with BME students themselves, it begins to look at how institutional practices are linked to uh, differences in uh, success and uh, belonging. Um, it's a mixed method study. Uh, it involves a qualitative interviewing of around 40 students from four QMUL schools. It also involves intersectional analysis carried out by Daniel and uh, Diego. And as I say, it involves four QMUL uh, schools. But the study has to negotiate this perceived difficulty of recruiting uh, BME students in health research and education research. There's this assumption that underrepresented groups or the problematic idea of a non-traditional student is hard to reach, is sensitive and reluctant to engage in research. Um, first thinking of perhaps about uh, students' own uh, experience or perhaps even deficiency, um, I encountered this kind of reluctance in recruiting BME students. Um, working with Somali students, there was a lack of belief in the research, whether it would actually ever change anything in, 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 in society and ever in, uh, in, in university, which is perhaps no wonder because of the position of Somali uh, uh, individuals in society. There's also access, access issues, so the timing of data collection, the timing of activities uh, may mean that uh, BME students are less able to access data collection, data research activities. So here we're thinking of the implications of living status, the timing of data collection, the role of part-time jobs, uh, potentially additional responsibilities such as caring for family members, um, and so on. 
There's also the problem of if we're recruiting a disengaged community or a disengaged group of students or a group of students who feel like they don't belong in university, then they're less likely to engage in research. I know when I was a student, I would not really be interested um, in engaging in research. Um, perhaps also less visible, and if less engaged, less likely to read recruitment emails uh, and uh, so on. But I'd like to also think about the institutional moulding of this hard to reach, this perception of being hard to reach. So I'd argue that um, lots of research practices actually lack us a familiarity and relationship and rapport with the students who are actually trying to uh, research. And I'd say this is a kind of problem of quantitative research, that it reproduces this lack of relationship and rapport with uh, BME uh, groups. Um, I'd argue that as a kind of lack of trust, perhaps, a lack of social capital, Putnam's idea of social capital, between the BME community or BME students and uh, the university. Um, why would they trust a white middle class individual such as myself? Um, there's also, I'd argue, the issue of institutional ethics. Um, so recruiting uh, BME students, uh, institutional ethics limit me. Um, so I'm unable to uh, contact people on the basis of protected characteristics, such as ethnicity, social class, and uh, uh, so on. And the implications of this, I'd argue, is a kind of marginality of BME-focused research in uh, the literature. So me and Daniel uh, carried out a uh, quite large-scale literature review, which looked at uh, data published between 2011 and 2017, and out of around 267 papers, I think it was, I think we found that only about five focused specifically on uh, BME uh, students. And in the wider literature, um, the implications of diversity, of social class, of ethnicity and so on are pretty much ignored. And when, there, when it is touched upon, it's Asian versus white students. So again, there's this real problematic use of, uh, of uh, categories of diversity. Um, but I would, this isn't really the case. So at Queen Mary, there's a lot of impetus in SOAS and the University of London. There's a lot of momentum, a lot of critical mass behind uh, BME uh, experience and, it, and, and responding to these, di these uh, differences in success and belonging. So at uh, Queen Mary, we have uh, societies such as the African and Caribbean Society, which really pushes uh, the issue of BME success and belonging. We have the Pan-African Society, more widely in, the, in London, we have uh, SOAS and the Why Is My Curriculum White uh, movement. Um, moreover, BME students uh, are, aren't always a minority, so it's not as if we can't meet. I can't meet these people. You know, it's not as if they're not. There's not many people in university. Um, but more, wi more widely, I'd also argue that the context of Tower Hamlets uh, also gives this kind of moment, this kind of impetus, this kind of emotional drive to respond to these uh, issues. So the impetus is there, and I say it's an institutional problem, this idea of uh, recruitment. It's not really perhaps the reality. Um, our, my response to this, or our response to this, was this participatory action research uh, approach. Uh, participant action research aims to transform relationships between participants and uh, researchers. It aims to incorporate action right from the start throughout the process of data collection, not just as a final outcome. It's often collaborative, involves creating uh, findings together with participants throughout the process. It's not just a smash and grab data collection process. 
Um, but it also changes the setting, setting. so by participating and engaging in practices, we also, also transform them. And in doing so, uh, participatory action research is often seen as less scientific because we don't have that objective focus on, on the settings which we actually study because we transform them. So we can't really ever argue that we provide objective findings because we're actually changing them as we, uh, as we engage in research. Um, but participatory action research is often used with uh, marginalised groups or groups where there's uh, perceived power differentials. And this is really uh, how we met and how we started working together. Um, and we, we developed this kind of student researchers activity where I wanted to work with students uh, to, as researchers, drawing them into the research process, transforming the relationships and uh, creating the findings uh, together. In terms of the kind of incorporating action right from the start, um, what, we, what Deshana and Nadia are about to talk about, it aimed to empower students, um, aimed to provide transferable skills and employability, negotiate research bias and the implications of my own positionality, and also enable constant validation of findings throughout the research process. And what we did is, as they're going to talk about in a second, was we organised uh, these long table events. So long table events, as will soon be described, as these open forums. But, um, so we organise a series of long table events and to give you guys a bit of an introduction to what that is, it's um, a kind of a mix between a performance format and an open discussion format. Uh, it was designed by Professor Lois Weaver at the Department of Drama at Queen Mary and she designed it to be a space where outsiders can share their opinions and share their feelings and thoughts when they would usually be silenced in places like seminar discussions, informal social settings, whatever. Um, a long table, quite practically, it's a long table. There's 12 chairs around the table and about 40 outside of it. There's like a paper, there's a tablecloth made of paper that you can write and draw on. And the idea is that you cannot contribute to the conversation unless you're sitting at the table. If you're sitting at the table, you can just be there and listen and watch. Um, or you can speak, or you can write, or you can draw. Um, so not only is it an attempt to create space for marginalised communities, marginalised people of varying communities to come and speak, it's also meant to be a bit more accessible than usual formats for open discussion. Um, and we, we kind of went with the long table because it embodies the principles of participatory action research. There's not a set kind of question that happens at the beginning of one. You give the table a topic and it runs for three hours and the conversation can go from admissions to staff demographics back to what food they serve in the canteen. Um, and what we found constantly, we did about five or six of these events. What we found constantly was that each conversation at each long table event completely went beyond the researchers' expectations. So it completely went beyond what kind of what you would have expected to come out of the conversation, even what I, I would have expected to come out of the conversation as well. Um, and it created institutional change um, in the sense that... Um, it created institutional change in the sense that it created lasting relationships between students and staff of um, 
from varying departments in the university. Since the long tables, uh, a student group with myself included has set up a society to decolonize Queen Mary. Um, to imagine how a decolonized Queen Mary would research and teach and using this work to encourage the university to move itself towards equality. And is going to take off. <coughs> um, yeah, so my experience of the long table, I mean at first I was a skeptic because when you first walk into the room the, the lighting of it is very much centered on the table and if you're anything like me you don't like talking in public um, then it's kind of a nightmare. So, and also, there's like, there's like a bunch of rules, right, um, that Lois Reed, I imagine, wrote. And so when you sit down and you read the rules, it literally sounds like a performance. It doesn't sound like it's quite real. So I was worried that students wouldn't quite understand it and wouldn't engage with it. Um, but I found that because it was such an emotive topic and because it was a room full of BME students who were so invested in the conversation that was being had, that they were um, very willing to get involved. And then we had about five very confident students that got involved with the long table um, and that induced conversation. Um, and I think that actually encouraged a fair few others to get involved. Um, um, it, it, in the future, I would say, perhaps tone down the appearance of the setting, <coughs> just so that for people like me, um, it's not as intimidating when you're walking in, and so it's um, just more inviting. And then perhaps some of the even shyer students that were present would have got involved. Um, and I, but I, I really liked the long table because of the um, because it changed the power dynamics. Because anyone can walk up to the table, anyone can say what they want to say. Um, there's no authority figure in the room, and so it wasn't like staff students it was more on one level and anyone can talk um, and I found that was really helpful and again yeah I was really surprised by um, the conversation and by how open students were and how much they said um, I thought it was a really incredible experience um, and in terms of working with Daniel on this um, I really liked the aspect of students working with the department within the university, I find it really helpful and I think it's more, we can affect, the change that we can bring is more effective if you're, if you're working on a multi, um, multi-level um, dynamic there. Um, and so, like Duchamp said, you know, we created the, I mean, Duchamp created the Student Society um, and also we're working to have meetings with the Chief Operating Officer of the University, we're trying to um, get more students involved so that we can have meetings with heads of departments to talk about reading lists um, at the university um, and talk about implementing the Race Equality Charter. Um, so again, this is us as students meeting with lots of heads of departments and um, important figures in the university and I think it's more effective because we're coming at it with the expertise of the departments and we know how the university works and what is I looking for, but we also have a student experience, so we're affecting practical change that will actually help students, rather than change that just looks good on paper. <coughs> so quite some significant change in the university, really create critical mass and have uh, strategic change. Um, but that, the story doesn't really end there. So um, 
Although we found really surprising, rich uh, data, although the long tables were complemented by interviews of around 40 students from four Kermiol schools, um, when actually going to translate the findings of the research into institutional change at an equality and diversity meeting, um, what I'd argue is kind of positive, positivistic or quantitative criteria of quality were used to kind of undermine uh, the research. Um, so the sample representation was, was uh, criticised by an individual at this meeting. Um, the individual wanted differences within the BME uh, category to be represented within the sample. So this individual wanted higher, lower socioeconomic uh, students uh, on off campus, uh, immigrant students, students that have grown up in the UK, uh, sexual differences, gender differences, this kind of ongoing diversification of the uh, sample, which is obviously unending. Like we can always, you can always argue that this is not representative. This is not representative. And in qualitative research, we don't usually use this kind of positivistic criteria to, uh, to, prov to say that our work is uh, quality. We usually try to present uh, depth over breadth. Um, and it was really difficult to argue that my work was scientific, that it could be believed, that it was trustworthy. Um, and what seemed to be happening was the kind of uh, old white male uh, lecturer who was actually in, a, in, in a research, the one who was the individual who was criticised the most in the interviews, was and probably had to change the most, was using positivistic criteria to kind of undermine the research and kind of prevent to kind of protect himself, to defend himself from uh, change, even though he was the most probably had to change the most. Um, and ultimately, I was asked to uh, return to the field to recruit further students to develop a representative sample. And it was even suggested that I have uh, focus groups with control samples, where I'd have a white focus group and a BME focus group, as if that this positivistic criteria is the only way that we can argue for quality uh, research. Um, obviously, this is really problematic. Uh, and I've missed quite a few. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, Yeah, I'm quick. Um, but what, so, what, yeah, so I'd argue that what we kind of encountered is this institutional epistemology, this institutional focus on positivistic research, um, this belief that uh, positivistic research is the only research can reach, which can be believed in the university. Um, and we find that although qualitative researchers can really introduce significant change in students' own lives, it can have strategic change upon the university, it can have cultural change within the university. Still, positivism can, use, can be used to undermine uh, the research. Um, I'd argue this is problematic because obviously if you use quantitative research practices, these are obviously very, often very detached. So they in turn kind of even reproduce the problem of disengagement. So whereas a participatory action research approach forms relationships and rapport, Across difference, it mixes, if you like. I'd argue that quantitative research practices in, 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 in contrast, although it can be representative, they reproduce the problem of disengagement. They never create and facilitate trust across difference. They never facilita facilitate uh, rapport across uh, difference. And they just provide detached understanding. 
Um, reflecting, I'd say that this kind of positivistic uh, epistemology is, re is reflected in the wider architecture and norms and practices of the university. So we go to lectures and we sit down in this kind of positivistic space where we just assume that we uh, neutralize all kind of differences and we all like, just absorb uh, information. And I kind of argue that it's uh, represented in, oh no, I represent, represented generally in norms and practices of the university. So I was going to zoom in on one of these last pictures, somewhere it is. And the picture is, is different animals sitting down to take an exam. And there's, uh, there's a giraffe, there's like a sheep or a mouse or whatever, and, and, and a monkey. And they're all being asked to climb up the tree as if, as if there's this kind of like no difference among students. Um, so I'd argue this kind of neut neutral, positivistic approach is the kind of norms and the norms of the university. But yeah, I'll leave it there. Thank you. Thanks so much.